Nothing you hear today on Meowcast should be construed as legal advice. Legal advice generally is applying legal principles to facts that you have in particular. Nothing you hear today should be used in that way. If you have what you may think of as a legal problem, you should speak to a lawyer and only use what you hear today to win arguments with your friends, not in court. Exactly. Do you know what I like about cats? What's that? They're distinct personalities. So I'm Sarah. And I'm Adam. And this is Meowcast, a podcast about cats. And we're sorry this is a week late, but this week we have a really special episode in order for you. So we're going to actually do this in a little bit of a different order. This week, I'm going to start by telling you a little bit about cat names, popular cat names, in our special segment. Then Adam is going to teach you about cats in the law, and then we'll conclude with our Meow of the Week. So, Adam. Yeah? There are some popular cat names, and a lot of popular cat names are actually popular baby names as well. Wow, that... That actually doesn't surprise me very much. I know cats are kind of babies. Yeah. Yeah. I know quite a few people who have human names for their dogs. That's true. So why not cats? So the number one popular male cat name is Oliver. We actually talked about an Oliver not long ago. We did. Yeah. Um, the next pop. Oh, and that is also a popular baby name. Then there's Leo, which is just a popular cat name, not a popular baby name. Mm-hmm. Charlie, which is a popular cat and baby name. And then Milo, which is not a baby name. You know, I've noticed that there's a lot of O's in these names. Yes. Oliver, Milo, Leo. Yeah. That's true. That's a good point. Uh, Well, here's one that's not an O, and that's Max, which I've heard a lot of dogs named Max, but Max is also a popular cat name and a popular baby name. I think Max is more of a dog name. I think of Max as a dog, but I can see Max as being a cat. What about Jack? What do you think of Jack? Jack also... See, Jack and Max are very, like, active names. You expect that kind of dog or cat to be, like, just everywhere at once. Well, Samuel is our active cat. Do you think of Samuel as being an active name? Well, see, I don't ever call him Samuel. I know, you call him Sammy. Yeah. And Sammy can be a little more active than Samuel. Yeah. I call him Sammy when I talk to him. When I talk about him, I call him Samuel. You know, I kind of remember you telling me once that cats... in in particular, react when you have a Y at the end of their name. I remember hearing that, too. Um, so none of these names have... Well, Charlie has the Y sound. Charlie. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then there's George, which definitely does not have that sound. I don't know. I think that's boring. George. I think George could be fun. Georgie. Georgie. Hey, Georgie. Come here, Georgie. <laughs> I can hear that. Simon. And I think I've met... Oh, well, Simon's cat. Simon's cat. But Simon's cat is not the cat. It's the guy who has the cat. Yeah, but I always thought of the cat as Simon. Yeah, I know, but that's not what it is. And then there's Loki. We actually met a Loki recently, too. You know, that is... I mean, without comic books, you wouldn't have Loki. That's true. And Loki is not a popular baby name. No. And then there's also Simba, which is not a popular baby name. Well, I mean, come on. That's so, just from the Lion King. Uh, well, you know. Well, make your, make your cat named after a lion. Give him a good boost in his... Um, well, why not just call your cat Lion then? Because your cat is not a lion, it's Simba. But if you want to boost their... Neither of us can think confidence. of a word. Confidence! 
<laughs> um, so out, let me just summarize out of the male names. We've got Oliver, Charlie, Max, and Jack that are also popular baby names. So female popular cat names. Luna. And I think I've met a Luna before. I was read of a Luna. Luna Lovegood, but uh-huh. she was not a cat. From Harry Potter. Yes. Uh, which is how our Seamus got his name was a Harry Potter cat. There we go. Yeah. Um, Chloe is a popular cat name and a popular baby name. That's been a popular baby name for a while. Yeah, it has. And then there's Bella, which is also both. Bella, is. I've heard that around since Twilight. People started naming their kids Bella, I think. See, I always thought Bella was short for something. Like, Isabella? Or... Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And then there's Lucy, which is both. Um, Lily. And I feel like I've met a cat named Lily before. And Sophie, which is both. Lola is just a popular cat name. I feel like Lola you would hear as a popular name back in, like, I don't know, the 50s or something. It does feel kind of like an older name. Yeah, and then Zoe is both. I think Zoe's been a popular baby name for a couple years now. And there's actually, Chloe is twice on this list, but spelled differently. I wonder why that is. I don't know. And then there's Nala. Nala. I wonder where that comes from. I don't know. Um, I feel like I've heard that in a Disney movie, but I don't know what. Okay, so then I've got some honorable mentions. Daenerys. Am I saying that right? Daenerys. Daenerys. Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. I don't watch yeah. Game of Thrones. And I am a rabid fan of yeah. Game of Thrones. And then Elsa. I know I'm saying that right. That's from Frozen. I haven't seen Frozen, but neither, I know that I'm saying it right. Neither have I. And then <laughs> there is Mocha, Butterscotch, and Brulee. I can see that if your cat is the color of Mocha, Butterscotch, or Brulee. Those would be kind of cute names. I think caramel would be nice caramel. For, for a brown well, cat. I think that would be terrible because everyone pronounces it different. Is it caramel, caramel, caramel? Though I don't even want to get into this debate. I say caramel. I would just call the cat Caramy. Caramy. That's a cute name. Although then it's too close to Camry. <laughs> and then you're just calling your cat a car. That's Well, people do that too, though. Porsche. Mm-hmm. Mercedes. Although they call their kids these, t- these well, names, Well, exactly. So just like Oliver, Charlie, Max, Jack, Chloe, Bella, Lucy, Lily, Sophie, and Zoe. You know, our next cat, our next cat should be named Ford. No, no, no. How about Nissan? No. I want our next cat to be named either Simon or if it's a girl. I don't know. Uh, we'd have to meet her, I guess. I don't think that I've had... What, what about Simone? Simone? It's the female version of Simon. I think that's too difficult to say for a cat's name. Simone. Simone. I'd end up calling her like Simi or something. Simi. Simi. She'd have to be a Siamese cat. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that is um, our our special segment of the week. So now Adam, get into education. <laughs> Please. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> well. The first instance of cats in well, let's let's just say that cats have had a long but kind of sporadic history in the law. Uh, most of the information is coming to us from one from Mr. Stephen Young, who is a reference libra- librarian at the Catholic University. He wrote this wonderful. Um, it's not quite a journal journal article. It's more like a um, maybe a magazine article uh, about cats in the law. So the first instance of uh, legal interaction with cats is actually in the ancient Egyptian uh, codes, where in the 5th and 6th dynasties, the cat, or Mao, was regarded as a sacred animal. 
So it was was the cat called Mao in the, in the language? Yes. Okay. And of course, I could be butchering the pronunciation, but that's what it's written. I just think it's interesting because meow, Mao. That's true. I never thought about that. Yeah. Uh, Samuel just closed. If you heard a door, that was Samuel. He likes to lock himself in our bathroom. He likes peace and quiet, I guess. Yeah. So the ancient Egyptians were the first civilization to domesticate the animal over 3,000 years ago. And it was actually a crime punishable by death to kill a cat. And you you could actually be killed for killing a cat, even if it was on accident, which happened to an unfortunate Roman and was detailed by a few different Roman philosophers. During the Middle Ages, uh, cats had their worst interactions with the law. They were considered super, they were considered signs of witches. And mm. in fact, one of the first witches to be uh, drowned was drowned because she had too many cats hanging around her property. Oh, wow. Well, of course, it wasn't her property, but it was her husband's, but oh, the cats I see were still mean. there. Okay. So, but it was automatically her fault, not her husband's fault. Of course. So I mean, he could have the property, but she could have all the blame. This was the Middle Ages, after all. Mm -hmm. Of course, today's laws no longer reflect these superstitious or uh, very violent laws. But we do have a set of laws, in the United States at least, that are there to protect cats from animal cruelty and help protect the humans' rights as the owners of cats. Okay. So in many jurisdictions in the United States, including uh, federal, under federal law, it's actually a crime to intentionally injure a cat. And in most areas, it's... It's a crime that you can actually go to prison for. So, and that's actually a very good thing because there's quite a bit of social, social science that backs up the correlation between intentional animal cruelty and uh, domestic violence and even murder rates. Wow. Yeah, I've heard that um, cruelty to animals is part of the... Is it the three things, the fire setting, bedwetting, and animal cruelty, but they've actually proven that that's not true? But for serial killers, they originally said that that was like the triad, and now they're saying not necessarily, that a lot of those are actually caused because the parents were abusive, so really that was the case. That's true. There, there used to be kind of this um, myth about serial killers, and animal cruelty was one of them, but... As social science has progressed, there di there does still seem to be that correlation, at least between uh, serial animal cruelty and those who end up becoming murderers later on. Yeah, I just don't understand how anybody could hurt an animal. I just I've been tr I try to understand it because I want to understand everyone's perspective. I just cannot, for the life of me, wrap my head around hurting an animal. Yeah, I can't either. Yeah. Well, to move on to a le less an upsetting topic, less yeah. <laughs> disturbing topic. Um, cats are considered a property of their owners, but they didn't used to be. In fact, in Elizabethan times, cats had no value at all. They were considered uh, simply a, an animal with no inherent uh, useful properties and therefore had no value. So that must have been like between the time of mousers and pets. Exactly. Well, they did have commercial value, but no personal value. Okay. And that's the key. It's the personal value that we uh, assign today. Love. 
Well, of course, love. <laughs> so one of the first instances where in American law where cats were actually given value is in the case Smith v. Steinhoff, where the court said the worth of the cat as a contributor to the felicity of the home is alone sufficient to require that it be regarded as property of the owner and in full sense of the term property. Okay, can you explain that in nowadays terms? So what that means is a cat, just like what we've said before, if we don't have a cat, it's not a home. Okay, yeah, that's true. And the fact that, you know, a pet, whether it is a, a cat or a, a dog or any other pet, they make a house a home and that's what someone might, and that's what brings value. Okay. So if you, if someone takes that value away from you, um, or your home splits up, you know, you, that has to be taken into consideration. Okay. So, can I ask you a question? Yeah, sure. So what, you said if a spoon, uh, spoon splits, a home splits up, <laughs> if a home, so say that, like, two people have a cat, and they're married, and then they get divorced, and they both want the cat. How does that work? If a cat is property, do they not have shared custody then? How do you handle that? Well, at least in Maryland, uh, when you do get a divorce, uh, part of that process is determining what is marital property, what is uh, belongs to both of you as, as a couple, and then assigning value to it. Uh, usually in the in the terms of pets uh, judges and courts will try and make the parties have an agreement of some sort a lot of times people who really really care about their pets will create either a joint custody agreement or some sort of uh, workaround where they can at least see the, the pet yeah that makes sense but of course, those are just the private agreements between okay. the two people. So there's no legal, like, you get the, the cat on Saturday and Sunday and I get the Monday through Friday. No. the the If the parties cannot agree, they the court will typically just assign the pet a value. But that's no, that doesn't do anybody any good. Yeah, I don't know how you would assign a value to an animal. Well, that's why it's better to have a private agreement between yeah. the parties. Okay, so what else do you have for us? So besides property, there's also the idea of compensating someone for injury to a cat. We've all kind of heard of the, the sad story where someone's driving down a dark road and a cat darts out and gets oh, hit by a car. Yeah. Well, uh, just like in ancient Egyptian times with that unfortunate Roman, uh, the driver of that car does have to compensate the owner for that cat. Okay. Speaking of outdoor cats, there's actually really interesting developments in the law surrounding community cats, which essentially is the idea that the cats aren't owned by a single person, but are sustained by a community. So it's it's the idea that, you, you know, several people in a neighborhood could set out food for a cat. And essentially, there's some joint ownership among those people in the community who do so, but it's less of an ownership right than, say, you or I with our cats. Okay. Uh, and this is a developing area. Kind of, for a while, it was always kind of a black and white. You either own the cat 
just like you own, say, a car, or you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the interesting gray area uh, that is kind of a recent development. Another cool area is uh, about trespass of your cat on other people's property. Okay. So this is the classic cat and the canary, cat and the canary situation, where uh, your cat, you let your cat out. Uh, maybe it's an outdoor, indoor, outdoor cat, and they uh, trespass on another person's property, sneak into an open window, and eat another person's canary, hmm. which is a pet. Yeah. You know their pet canary. In that case, you you may have to actually pay for that canary but you may not in mcdonald versus jotary which comes to us from pennsylvania it's an 1890 case the court stated that the owner of a cat is not responsible for its quote predatory habits of the species only for but is but is liable for the known mischievous tendencies of the animal there's a there's also a 1926 case for, coming from England, which held that the owner of a cat is not liable for the damage caused by the cat's trespasses. So just to be safe, you should probably keep your cat inside, though. Of course you should. But it's some interesting developments where if your cat does get out and causes some havoc, you might not have to worry about it from a legal perspective. Huh. The last case I want to talk about is really cool. Uh, it involves a cat named Blackie and his owners, Carl and Elaine Miles. One day, when Carl was down on his luck in his mid-20s, uh, in 1975, he was asked by a, a neighborhood girl if he was willing to take one of three kittens that was just born. Uh, he decided, at first he decided he wouldn't take one of the cats, but then he had a premonition and decided to take the black cat of the of the three. One afternoon, uh, when the when the cat now named Blackie was about five months old, Miles had him on his lap, playing with him and talking to him. A premonition struck him again. A voice inside his head said, "The cat is trying to talk to you." At that moment, Miles resolved to teach Blackie to speak. He spent the next year and a half taping the noises the kitten made. He'd play them back, and the sounds that he heard were most like certain words in English. By the cat's second birthday, he was able to say, I love you and I want my mommy. This is just ridiculous <laughs> how, the, how this guy got the cat to sound like he was talking. Yeah. Uh, at that point, Miles and his wife paraded Blackie down the streets of Columbia, South Carolina. They allowed the cat uh, to be on a harness and they also draped the cat over the man's shoulder frequently and at each point when a pastor would come by, they would squeeze Blackie's rump. And if a person was able to use just a little bit of imagination when they were listening to this cat, I'm assuming, yowl, <laughs> they'd swear they just heard the cat talk. So Carl and Elaine Miles actually got a lot of press for this. They were interviewed by, uh, the, by papers as far away as Augusta, Georgia, and, of course, the Columbia, South Carolina Register. Uh, they also did a couple of radio interviews, and there's actually some really interesting uh, clips of Blackie doing what sounds like talking, um, which we're going to link in the, in the show notes for you to listen to. But it wasn't long until uh, Miles and Elaine ran into some trouble. 
some local citizens complained of a, a cat apparently trying to speak and uh, called the police on them. They were charged with operating a business without a license because while this was all going on, Elaine and Miles had been turning a tidy profit by uh, charging a fee each time they wanted to, uh, a passerby wanted to hear Blackie talk. So Carl decided to fight the city of Columbia's uh, ruling that he was operating a business. He, what he argued was that it was a violation of his constitutional right to freedom of speech. Not just his, but Blackie's freedom of speech. Oh, because Blackie could talk, so he had speech. Because Blackie could talk, that's right. Of course, the trial judge had none of that, and he ruled for in favor of the city. So they had to get a business license? Yeah, and that's what all this was about. Uh, so Carl actually appealed it all the way to the United States Court of Appeals for the 11th Circuit, which pronounced Miles's argument that Blackie did not represent a business wholly without merit. It also addressed the constitutional issue. Uh, it, the court said, uh, this court will not hear a claim that Blackie's free, uh, right to free speech has been infringed. First, although Blackie arguably possesses a very unusual ability, he cannot be considered a person and is therefore not protected by the Bill of Rights. Second, even if Blackie had such a right, we see no need for the for Carl to assert his right by a third party. Blackie can clearly speak for himself. Which I thought was the, the best quote from the from the court. <laughs> Blackie can speak for himself. Yep. So after the Eleventh Circuit ruled, uh, the Miles hung their case up and finally got a business license, uh, which actually worked out pretty well because they continued to sell uh, T-shirts and other um, apparel about Blackie the Talking Cat until 1989 when they stopped ex exhibiting uh, Blackie. When Carl was interviewed by the Charlotte Observer about the passing of Blackie, he said. Blackie looked at me one last time and said, I love you, which is just the cutest ending. That is very sweet. So I see that you've got a book for us today. I do. So have you ever heard of a cat named Tartar Sauce? I've never heard of a cat named Tartar Sauce. You have. It's actually Grumpy Cat's real name. Are you kidding me? Grumpy Cat's name is Tartar Sauce. I had no idea. She has numerous media appearances. Um... One such appearance was when she appeared on a documentary called Little Bub and Friends. Um, I actually watched that today. It was really good. We'll probably talk about that um, next week, though. Well, everybody's heard of Grumpy Cat. Everyone's heard of Grumpy Cat. Well, Grumpy Cat has a little golden book that I discovered. Now, for those who don't know, little golden books are kids' picture books. Oh, who doesn't know what a little golden book is? Well, some people don't. Okay, well, the Grumpy Cat Little Golden Book is called The Little Grumpy Cat That Wouldn't. And, well, it's the one that I got. I think there's actually more than one, but the one that I have right now is, um... The Little well, Grumpy Cat That Wouldn't. Yes. It's very, it's a very fun book. It's, obviously, it's a children's book. It's a really easy, quick read, like, you know, like, a minute. But it's really enjoyable. <laughs> the pictures are fun. So, so what's your favorite picture? Oh my. Um now in the whole book, Grumpy Cat has her signature scowl. Yes, she has her signature scowl and everyone wants to play with her just to give you a synopsis. Um but she doesn't want to play. So I like the one at the very end 
which I'm not going to give away what um what happens. What happens? But it is the most optimistic part of the whole book. <laughs> and Grumpy Cat is still frowning, but you know, it's a smile frown. I just love how big and round her eyes are in this book. It's so it's a great illustration. Yeah, it's Get, great. It's great. a really great illustration. She actually has really big round eyes um, in real life. Um, if you look at uh, the pictures of her, she was born looking grumpy, but her humans say that she is not an unhappy cat at all. She's actually a really sweet, loving cat. It's just her face looks like that. Yeah, it's just, she's just born that way, just where her face looks. Um, and she has also been sponsored by Friskies and um, has a YouTube show from that. So I would definitely recommend this book. And if somebody by any chance has not heard of Grumpy Cat, definitely look at the pictures, look at the book, look at everything. Grumpy Cat is definitely a media sensation worth keeping track of. Um, so that about does it for our show today. Do you have anything you wanted to add, Adam? So thanks this week to Crossworlds for the use of their song Cat's Lullaby as our theme song. Please email us your cat story at meowcastpodcast at gmail.com. You can also tweet at us at Meowcast Podcast, or visit our website at meowcastpodcast.com to check out the show notes. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us, and be sure to tell all your friends and fellow cat lovers about our podcast. Remember, have a perfect, perfect week. week.